the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. Today on this episode, we're talking to Corey, the CEO of Stably, which is a stable coin. So thanks so much for being here, Corey. Yep, no problem. Thank you for having me. So you guys are the first stable coin we've had on the podcast, and we haven't really introduced a lot of our listeners to this concept yet. A lot of them may not have had a chance to have played with Tether or anything similar before. So just to get us started, how would you describe a stable coin to someone who might not be familiar with the concept? Yeah, absolutely. A stable coin to me is a cryptocurrency or a token whose price is stable and not volatile. And uh, it is typically pegged or benchmarked to an asset that is considered stable, like a US dollar, or to some people, gold is considered stable. And we do see some gold-backed stablecoin out there as well. So I guess, is it mostly at this point, you know, US dollars, you have USDT, are there other currencies uh, from other countries that have stable coins or is everyone mostly converting to a dollar amount at this point? Well, stable is relative to the benchmark, right? Yep. To a lot of people, uh, stability means, you know, having uh, parity with the U.S. dollar, uh, as I certainly think so. Uh, to some other people, stability might be found in holding gold. Some people uh, prefer gold over holding U.S. dollar um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and some other people, you know, they don't think that doll they don't think that neither dollar or gold uh, is a good benchmark for stability and they would like to create something that actually achieves stability independent of either the US dollar or gold prices. So what would be the advantage of a token as opposed to an actual US dollar? Why were these initially implemented? What was the necessity that caused them uh, to come into fruition? Absolutely. Um, initially, when the crypto and blockchain economy was very young, as we have a lot of these exchanges, um, a lot of them were not integrated with fiat. So you could not de uh, deposit your US dollar or Chinese yuan or Korean won uh, into these exchanges in order to purchase cryptocurrencies. Um, I mean, there, there, there are some out there, but the number of exchanges that are integrated with fiat versus the exchanges that are not, there's a big difference there still. And so in order for these exchanges that don't have access to fiat, in order for them to have to bring dollar into their system, they would have to use a U.S. dollar proxy, right? And so that was the birth of the first stablecoin uh, created by, which was Tether. Uh, I think originally it was called Mastercoin or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, and then it became Tether after a while. Yeah, and we uh, I went to school in Austin, so I sort of we were around a lot of the Tether guys as it was coming into fruition and. Uh, you know, you could see a, not a lot of people had a handle on it when they were getting started, and a lot of people didn't understand even the necessity. So, what would you say that Tether did that 
created the necessity for something better to come along for people who aren't familiar with Tether? What what are they what are their, what are their major weaknesses? Well, I think they started out really great. You know, it was a really sound project. The token was, you know, for the most part stable most of the time. And I think when it first started out, the one to one dollar backing, the promise was, you know, it was the true promise. Uh, however, as time progressed, there's a lot of these controversies that came out about whether or not Tether has the reserve that fully backs every single token that they mint. And, you know, I'm not here to, you know, uh, put out conspiracy theories or, you know, talk about what really happened at Tether because I myself don't know. So yeah. I'm not going to speculate on that. Um, I would say that the reason for us to exist at all is because Tether recently did a really bad job at either m maintaining its price stability as well as its public image, right? So, uh, and it still holds, I think, over 90, maybe 85% of the entire stablecoin market. And uh, it doesn't make any sense for someone to have that much share of the market when you have all these issues on the side. So it's part of the reason why we're in this game. So, I mean, similar to the banking system, is there some sort of like reserve rate that these tokens are expected to be holding? Does, uh, does a token like Tether, I mean, I, I know you guys probably aren't going to do this, but can you essentially hold, you know, 10% of the funds that you say you have and lend out the rest like a bank? How are some of these systems being built now and how do you think they'll be built in the future? So we cannot have a fractional reserve system because we ourselves uh, are not a bank and we do not conduct any sort of banking or lending activities. Uh, our token is 100% full reserve, fully backed. Uh, one token with $1, period. And we do not lend out any of the reserve for uh, for profit motives, right? We only, according to the regulations, we only invest the reserve in money market securities, which is short-term U.S. Treasury bills that generate, you know, two, two and a half percent a year in interest. And that is how we generate the, the core of our income, of the interest income that is generated by the reserve, which is similar to how PayPal and... Uh, Robin Hood or Venmo and how do you make money? Yeah, yeah, they sure like holding your money uh, and freezing it to uh, earn a little extra interest when they can. Uh, yeah, they certainly do that sometimes. Yeah, and so so if you are doing that, is there the risk of having essentially a run on the bank? You know, having too many people trying to withdraw, or uh, is that something you don't really have to worry about? Well, it's not a concern to us because we provide the service in order to you know, have people be able to deposit and withdraw their U.S. dollar at any time via our regulated tr uh, trustees and custodians. So, you know, we're not going to impose any sort of limit on uh, how much you can withdraw or redeem the tokens for. If you have, you know, one, mil one million token, guess what? You can redeem one million dollar. If you have 100 million token, we're obligated to return 100 million dollar to you it's not even us it's the uh, regulated trustee that manages the uh, uh the cash reserve the escrow account and we don't have any power over it so um i can certainly see instances where perhaps you know if the redemption amount is really large and it could cause like a lot of operational difficulty then perhaps then the our custodian and the client will have to 
work out some sort of uh, delivery method that is efficient for both parties. But, you know, other than that, we hold our promise to redeem 24-7 at one-to-one. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's super important. So uh, when it comes to stable coins, what is the price that they're typically pinning the value to? So you guys specifically, and if anyone else was doing it differently, is there one number that you look to to determine uh, at any given time what the actual value of the U.S. dollar is? Uh, how, how is that calculated? We don't we don't have to do that because our the type of stablecoin that we create is a fiat backed stablecoin is actually backed by the dollar that it represents i see so so we this is called organic stability versus a lot of other what i call inorganic or synthetic stability um some tokens out there some stable coins out there are not backed by us dollars they're backed by either cryptocurrencies or they're not backed at all they're backed by some sort of smart contract and algorithm but my type of uh, stability, which is organic, it relies on free market forces in order to stabilize the stablecoin itself. Uh, so my stablecoin is supposed to be worth a dollar, right? Whenever that it deviates from a dollar, market makers and arbitragers stand to make uh, profit to when they away this difference, yeah. right? So if it's below a dollar, somebody could purchase the token on a market and come back to us and our custodian, redeem it for uh, a dollar they pocket the difference in profit there vice versa whenever the token is above a dollar they can purchase uh, a token from us and our custodian at par and then turn around flip it on the market for a little bit more enough people start doing this then it will gradually uh, stabilize the peg of our uh, stable coins um, during instances where there are major market moving events, such as like right now, you know, over what you've seen yesterday and uh, even today, uh, wherein you know Bitcoin, Ether are plunging 10, 15 percent. Uh, during these times, people do tend to pay a little bit premium extra in order to go into stable coins because you know if your Bitcoin is dropping 10 percent, then what is it worth to you to get a one to pay one percent premium to get in a stable coin at? a dollar oh one right so so that can happen but you know this is this is why market makers and arbitragers and free market forces exist in order to uh provide a supply and bring the price back to one eventually yeah now that makes sense and i know a lot of people who make good money on arbitrage but at the end of the day that's necessary to create adequate liquidity for these things and absolutely stabilize it across multiple exchanges so are you guys planning on being listed on multiple exchanges out the gate? Is it mostly going to be people exchanging fiat on your site? Um, were there a lot of regulatory hoops to jump to allow people to trade in fiat? What was some of that process? So, yeah, so we do plan to list on many uh, exchanges, both centralized and decentralized exchanges. Um, uh, actually, next month, we are listing on one of the top uh changes in the world i can't mention which one yet but uh we'll release some announcement very soon that will be very exciting um but yeah so next year we plan to get on 20 to 30 40 different exchanges uh in order to get our token out to the market and distribute it as among as many users as possible and so why, why did you guys choose to do an ERC-20? I think that's what I read in the white paper. And I know it said you guys were looking at Stellar and EOS. So what was the decision-making process there? Um, 
we we strive to be protocol agnostic. Uh, it doesn't matter which protocol it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we pick ERC20 just because that is the most popular uh, protocol right now for decentralized application, the most tokens. Yeah. Uh, so it was an obvious place to start. However, we do understand certain limitations with Ethereum, which is why we are also uh, creating or developing uh, our token on Stellar as well as EOS and uh, other protocols in tandem with the development of our Ethereum token, which is already live. Um, we launched the token in uh, back in August, and uh, this month we officially start taking in uh, orders from clients. So as of right now, you can uh, register an account with us and start purchasing our token by depositing fiat as well as redeeming it. So how can some other companies, I know I read in your white paper, you talked a little bit about Augur, uh, which is an interesting case. Uh, how can they benefit from stable coins and sort of the reduction of volatility in crypto? Do you see stable coins potentially taking the place of certain cryptos in a lot of these uh, market, market operations and apps that are focused on, uh, I guess, capturing volatility or transacting uh, in such a way where you reduce the risk of volatility? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do believe um, that in the future, uh, stable coins and perhaps also utility token will be what is going to power decentralized application as well as other uh, blockchains-based uh, applications. We have, you know, utility tokens right now, which is supposed to fulfill that role. Like if you go on Binance, you can trade with a BNB token, which is a utility token, and you get discount from it. Um, and by the way, BNB is a is a really great utility token. It has done a, uh, really well this year, and it served its role uh, really well. Uh, however, a lot of other utility tokens don't really quite perform their intended role as a good medium of value exchange because in order for you to, say, uh, use a platform or access a decentralized application, you would have to use the native utility token that powers that platform, right? Um, and if that token is free floating and this price is not stable, then it leaves an incentive for somebody out there to start hoarding those utility token in order to profit from it. And that really messes up the ecosystem because then people cannot use those tokens. They can't acquire those tokens in order to use the platform like how it was intended. All right. Imagine if you walk into Chuck E. Cheese and uh, Chuck E. Cheese tokens are actually free floating and it's not mm -hmm. uh, convertible for dollar or gifts at the store, right? And people can actually, it's based on some sort of market trading and valuation. You're going to definitely see some bully kid that's going to sit in the corner, that's going to take all the tokens from all the other kids and just yeah. start hoarding it, right? So that won't work out for everybody. Um, now, when you start using a stable coin, it solves that problem because nobody would hoard a stable coin in order to profit from it because you can't it's really it's supposed to be worth a dollar and so if you power a decentralized application or any sort of blockchain application with a stable coin then you bypass the volatility the price volatility issue as well as the hoarding issue right um and a stable coin at, at the end of the day right now is still more popular as a form of payment to a lot of developers and contractors, even like blockchain developers, right? They don't want to be paid in. Yeah. Uh, well, they do want to be paying Ether or Bitcoin, but if 
you know, you can pay them in stablecoin and promise them the stability of that payment, then they would prefer it even more, right? Yeah, yeah. Or just making it easy enough for them to convert in the case that they need to. <laughs> exactly. I have, uh, I know a lot of Venezuelans. I have a lot of friends there who, you know, have considered taking money out of Venezuela using Bitcoin. However, this is not stable, so they don't want to do that. And so, you know, imagine their face when I told them that stable coins exist, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. In Venezuela, I mean, I think they've had like several million percent inflation, if I'm correct. So, yep. you know, that's a place where your money is rapidly becoming worth nothing and almost makes cryptos look less volatile in comparison, mm -hmm. which is ironic. So are there any other areas you would be looking to expand into? Would you ever do a crypto one or a, a crypto euro or a, not a, like a stable euro or stable one um, to solve some of these problems abroad? Or are these mostly issues people are running into here because of the regulatory environment? Yeah, I feel like this is the part of this podcast that all my competitors got tuned into. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do have a lot of plans to expand beyond just crypto exchange, right? To us, crypto exchanges are the first battleground. This is where we need to start. This is where we need to uh, uh, distribute our tokens initially to the market and gain that initial uh, brand and exposure, right? Uh, however, in the long term, we do not plan to mainly stay on crypto exchanges. We plan to uh, expand to other currencies, uh, other national currencies, as well as other blockchain protocol. In addition to that, we're also going to expand to other geographic regions such as Southeast Asia, you know, like the Philippines or Vietnam or India, which we have really good uh, relationships and connections with. Um, did you know? Did you know that the Filipino remittance market is a hundred million dollar plus market every day? Wow. So imagine if I make like a Filipino stablecoin to tackle a Filipino peso stablecoin to tackle that market, right? And then I can go ahead and cross-list that Filipino peso stablecoin against my U.S. dollar stablecoin to bring even more organic demand over to it. And I do this to every single country out there that's you know a third world country. These countries would appreciate a stablecoin much more than a first world country. I'll tell you that much for free. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, not only that, right? So that's remittance. We can also do payment. Um, there's a lot of uh, POS uh, providers and payment companies that we could potentially integrate with in order to help them provide a more uh, frictionless um, payment experience for their customer, uh, which, you know, in the end helps save costs on, uh, for both their client and themselves. Um, yep. Are there, so if you are going to create, you know, a payments network, what can you do to make sure that the payments are fast enough to compete with the competition. So a lot of the competition are really worried about TPS and things like that. Is that something you're thinking about now or uh, something that comes later? Yeah, certainly. So by being protocol agnostic, it really helps us, us address this problem because we're not confined to just Ethereum, which is less than 20 uh, transactions. Transaction yeah. Um, once we expand on Stellar and EOS, which you know processes thousands and thousands of transactions per second, then it becomes more suitable for us to uh, expand uh, to payment services. Um, and all you really have to do is get people to start using the stablecoin instead of cash or you know their credit card or whatever. Because if the stablecoin can be sent almost instantly to anyone, and it could be just as easily converted back into U.S. dollar. 
guess what? People are probably not going to convert it to US dollar because they're just going to start sending the stable coins to each other as a yeah. form of payment. If you look at the, the US dollar back in the 1970s, 1960s, before they un, un, uh, decollateralized it from gold, nobody took a US dollar to the treasury to redeem gold from it, neither. Maybe some people did, but like, I you know, guarantee you 95% of the population didn't do that. They just traded the dollar, the gold backed dollar notes around, right? Yeah. So, same thing here. Well, that's really exciting. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I want to encourage everyone to check out your website and we'll put all those links in. Are there any closing words or uh, points you wanted to make? Yeah, um, I, uh, we are launching our stablecoin platform front end next month. And uh, uh, we will also be listing on a major cryptocurrency exchange. So it's go December is going to be a very exciting month for Stably and the team. Um, and I also highly encourage uh, crypto traders, investors, and uh, anyone who's in blockchain to, you know, really research more about stable coins and look into the inner workings of the different types of stable coin and really see how this is uh, gradually improving the phases of finance and remittance and payments as we know it. Um, I think a lot of people could find a lot of uh, value from uh, gradually integrating stable coin to their daily life. I mean, I sent money overseas to my cousins in Vietnam using stable coins now. I don't send them the Western Union anymore. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'm really excited to keep everyone updated on your progress. And we'll uh, be sure to post this with all your links and get everyone uh, excited about what you're working on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yep, anytime. And thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back with another episode sometime soon. Thanks so much. And thank you, Corey. Thank you, Mark.